Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Altars Lesson 4. I titled this Victory Altars. And remember, we're looking at the altars in the book of Genesis. These are pre-temple altars, um, which those are important altars too. But these are the altars that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob made. And uh, remember, they had to be out of uncut stones, no mortar. They had to pile them up on top of each other. And they, we saw in lesson one, they represent all the issues in our life. And God wants us uh, not to just let them lay there because they'll really mess us up internally. Uh, and if we don't deal with them, we'll throw them at people. We'll just have outbursts of anger and things like that. But he wants us to pile them up and say, God, these are all my issues. And then... Uh, to offer up our sacrifices. And we found out in lesson two, number one sacrifice is worship. Prayer is also uh, one of the sacrifices we offer up. Last week, lesson three, we dealt with surrender altars, which probably was my favorite uh, because it's something I've learned to do and it's just blessed my life. It's released God to do amazing things in my life and I know many of yours. Today's victory altars, and we're gonna have a great time with this uh, lesson and uh, it reminded me of a story. You may wonder how it connects at first, but it reminded me of my childhood. And when I was eight, nine, ten, I was really into fake wrestling. That's what we called it uh, eventually. I thought it was real, though, at first. And uh, now it's the WW, whatever. Um, and, and it's really impressive at this time. Still fake, but... but uh, <laughs> But some incredible athletes, you know, uh, Hulk Hogan came in, and then The Rock came in, and John Cena and these guys, and they're just incredible athletes. But they're still, it's all choreographed. But when I was a little kid, um, I didn't know that. And on Sundays, I would watch big-time wrestling. And remember, we didn't have flat screens. Our TVs were this thick. And, and then smaller screens and terrible definition, but I couldn't wait to see it. And uh, one of my favorites, my most favorite, was Bruno Sammartino. And here's a, here's a picture. I couldn't find anything without him in his skivvies, so it's not that great. But uh, I, I, I look back and I wondered, why did I like him? Well, he was Italian and I was Italian. My, my mom was born in Italy at 10. She came here at 10. And uh, my dad's parents came here from Southern Italy like my mom. And uh, so I just think I connected with the Italian guy. He wasn't a great athlete, but he was, he was Bruno, right? And, and, uh, but he was pretty well-known, pretty famous. And then I also liked this guy. He was called the Sheik. And uh, I think I loved his headgear. And he was Lebanese, but at the time, I didn't even know what an Arab was. Uh, but I found out when I did DNA testing not too long ago, 5% of my blood is Arab, you know. So southern Italy, there's a lot of mixture down there. So I have some Arabic blood in me. But I love this guy too. And I would watch and I'd cheer for them. And then right around 11 or 12, this is why another reason you want to put your kids in children's church, because I might be ruining it for some young kids. I am so sorry. But in children's church, they won't tell you this is fake. So... Um, I found out it was fake, and I stopped watching it. I was like, I can't believe it. They choreographed it. And, and I thought, you mean Bruno um, is told before the fight begins, you're winning or you're losing, and, and the Sheik was told. So I just couldn't. I'm so competitive, never the best athlete in any room, but just super competitive. So I thought, well, this, there's no competition here. This is all fake. And so you might wonder, why are you bringing this up? What's, it, what's the purpose? Well, today we're going to find out that there are some battles that you've already won before you ever fight. 
and uh, we could say they're choreographed and you're the winner in every single battle. And so it's a little bit like big time wrestling. And that's why I brought it up. And we're going to find out that Jesus won some battles that you and I basically have to know he won. And we basically still have to swing our swords and do those things. But man, when you approach it with that attitude that I'm already the victor, it changes everything. And I had years as a Christian where I was trying to win. Now in these battles, and it's not every battle, but in these battles, I know I'm already the winner. And boy, do you go at it differently when you know it's already choreographed. You already have the victory. So that's what I want to talk about. I have a big idea. Here's my big idea, guys. Um, it just simply goes like this. We can win because Jesus already won. And I almost said we already won, but I thought there's not a whole lot of power in me saying we already won, but we won because Jesus won. And he already won these victories. So, you know, if you're dealing with a relationship issue, I'm not talking about that. Um, if you're dealing uh, with, with a physical problem, I know by his stripes we're healed, but I'm not talking about that. A financial issue, I'm not talking about that. We can still overcome and win in those. And because he won the victory we're going to talk about, we can walk out of those stronger and better than we ever did. We can walk through them with peace and joy and tranquility and drop the strength of God. But what battles am I talking about? Guys, when it comes to anything connected to sin and addiction, do you know you already won those battles? Jesus won them for you. When it comes to depression or oppression, you've already won those battles. Did you know that? And I know there's something called clinical depression. I understand that. And some people uh, might need some help because they have hormonal imbalances, might need some medication. But listen, if you do, Use it while you have to, but let's pray and believe God to heal you, right? Because uh, he heals us too. And don't just accept anything, right? Uh, but think about jealousy, envy, strife, anger, fear, whatever it is. Do you know those battles have already been won too? And when you understand that, you approach life totally, totally different. We can win because Jesus already won. So I want to show you the victory altar. It's connected to all this, and it helps us win every one of these battles we're talking about. And it begins with Israel being in the desert, and they're really thirsty, and they need something to drink, but uh, there's no water around, so they begin to complain to Moses. And it's kind of their first time complaining and testing God, so God gives them a, a break. And, and here's what happens after they complain, Exodus 17, 4. So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what am I to do with this people? A little more and they will stone me. Verse 5, then the Lord said to Moses, pass before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand your staff, it's really important, with which you struck the Nile and go. So I want to just talk about this staff. It, it is a picture of the empty cross. It's a picture of Jesus already winning the victory. It's pretty cool if you know the life of Moses. I do a leadership message, which I'm not going to do today, but it's really cool. Uh, Moses' first 40 years, he grew up as a prince in Egypt. And remember, his mom put him in the Nile in a basket. Pharaoh's daughter lost her baby. She saw it. And God just shows how sovereign he is. She picked Moses up and raised him as a prince. And then right around 40, he discovered he was a Hebrew. And so uh, he began to have a, a heart for the Jewish people who were slaves in Egypt. He saw uh, some of the Egyptian masters messing with them. He intervened. He ended up killing two of the Egyptians. Then Pharaoh was going to kill him, so he had to run for his life. And for the next 40 years, from 40 to 80, he's shepherding sheep, guys. That's what he's doing, far away. And right around 80 years old, 
God is ready to send him to Egypt, and he sees a burning bush, and it's not being consumed, and he walks up, and the angel of the Lord, which is Jesus manifesting himself in the Old Testament, speaks from the bush, and he says, Moses, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground, and he does, and, and then he begins to tell him, I'm going to use you to deliver uh, Egypt or Israel out of Egypt, and then he says, I can, I don't have the ability. And God says, what's in your hand? And it's the shepherd's staff, guys. It's his, his staff. What's in your hand? And so he says, well, just my shepherd's staff, Lord. I'm just a shepherd. And he says, throw it to the ground. And it turns into a snake. And Moses is like me. I'm deadly. Uh, just, I just fear snakes, guys, and spiders. So I hope you still can respect me as a pastor. But uh, he screamed like a big sissy, and he ran away. God said, get back here, get back here. And so he comes back, and God says, pick that up. And he's like, it had to be fun. It, I just wish I could see it, because uh, that's what I would have done. He probably said, God, would you stop it from moving? And then he picks it up, and it turns back into the staff. And, and, and God is saying something that's from a leadership position. Some of us think we're not able to lead. And you know, all God's asking you is, what do you have in your hand? What's your experience? What have you done in life? And I will supernaturally touch it, and I will allow you to use that to bless the people of God and be a leader in the kingdom of God, be a leader in the secular world, because some of us just have no confidence. That's just a leadership moment. But guys, that staff also represents, when it turned to a snake, it represents the Son of God who always existed, coming into a human body, and God taking our sin, putting it on him, and Jesus defeating sin, defeating oppression, depression, fear, anxiety, addictions. He defeated it all. And when we look at the empty cross, we have to remember we have a victory. And we'll, we'll build it up. We'll see it. We'll have some fun with it. But that's the staff. And he says, I want you to take the staff and with the elders. And then it says in verse 6, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock. And water will come out of it so that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And guess what? Water gushed out. And what is so cool, that rod is a type of Jesus going to the cross, winning the victory. But then the rock is also a type of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? But it's a type of what Jesus wants to flood our life with after we accept him. And I just want to show you that in the New Testament to build this up. 1 Corinthians 10.1. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, fellow Christians, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the Red Sea. Can I just stop for a moment? He's writing to non-Jews, and you know what he says? Moses is our ancestor. Isn't that pretty cool? That's, that's really cool. And I know we didn't take Israel's place. I know he's still dealing with Israel and the nation. But guys, we've been grafted in. And that's pretty cool to think Abraham's our ancestor, to think Moses is our ancestor, King David's our ancestor. That's amazing. And so it says in verse 2, uh, they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And so, you know, when Moses struck the Red Sea and it opened up, and they walked through, there was God's cloud covering them. So remember, 40 years in the desert, uh, at night, it, the cloud turned into a pillar. During the day, it was a cloud. And that's a type of God's presence, God's glory. And it covered them so the desert sun didn't hit them, and they were protected by God and that beautiful cloud. But God says that's a type of us being baptized into Christ. And so when you accepted Christ, you went through a baptism. Verse 3, uh, they all ate the same spiritual food. That was the manna. But God says it's, it's a type of the word of God that we feast on. Remember how the manna, uh, God said, Eat it every day. 
Don't save some for another day. Why? We need to feed on the word of God because it's, it's spiritual food. He goes on to say, and they drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and, and, and that rock was Christ. So that rock's a type of Jesus. And when he struck it, guys, it's a type of him dying on the cross. And what came out of it? Eternal life, but not just eternal life. Everything you and I can ever need, the strength of God, the life of God. And he's just saying to us, man, what happened there with the rock is happening in your life, and God's wanting us to draw from that life. So we want to talk about that because they began to drink, they began to get their strength back. But I want to show you another example in the Bible. It's a pretty cool example. And these guys are complaining again. So notice Numbers 21, verse 4. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea uh, to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Miserable food. So they wouldn't even call manna food or bread, right? And now they're complaining. Now, this is not the first time God cut them some slack, gave them the water. Now he's going to paint a picture for us, and it's a pretty cool picture. It goes on to say in verse 6, then the Lord sent venomous snakes, and that's a type of the enemy and how he can really mess with our lives if we don't understand we already have the victory among them. And they bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. I got to thinking about this because, you know, they were nearly going to stone him again. And I bet he said, I'll pray, but I bet he waited a while. Or he said, God, I want you to do this, but let it happen a few more days or a couple more hours. Lord, let them get the message. I know, I, I think he prayed something like that. But he prayed, and here's what God said in verse 8. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. The pole's really important, right? Uh, anyone who is bitten can look at, at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. So we're going to talk about the victory altar, and, and it's further down in Exodus 17. But do you, you know what the Hebrew is there? It's Jehovah Nisi. And Jehovah means the self-existent God, the eternal one, capital L-O-R-D. And whenever you see it, it's just talking about the God who created everything. He wasn't created. He's always existed, and he made everything we can see. And guys, I love the fact, and we talked about it at the end of lesson one, how God adds these beautiful descriptions of what Jehovah will do in our life. And Nisi, it just means a miraculous standard, and we'll see it in a moment, but it comes from the root word nace, N-A-C-E, and they have the same definition, and, and, and nace just simply means miraculous standard, but that's where the word pole comes from, the pole. And we know the snake's a type of Christ, but guys, this is just not a pole. This is a miraculous standard. It's referring to Jesus winning the victory. It's very similar uh, to Moses' staff, and God wanted to make sure we remembered and we understood and we know that, man, this snake is identical to that, that rod of Moses, and it's the victory that Christ won. And every time they looked at it, the effect of the devil's sting was taken off of them. It happens to us too. Can we look at the New Testament just to show you the victory that he won? Most of us know this, but John 3, 14 and 15, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up 
that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So when you first believe what happened, that water came out, God gave you eternal life, but now he wants to flood you over and over again with his life, his strength. So we see what it, it represents, right? That snake is a type of Jesus taking the sins of the whole world on him. But listen to this. This is the victory that was won on the cross. 1 John 5, 4. And I wanted to go to 50 scriptures, but I don't have the time. But it says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. And so when you accept Christ, you overcome the world. This is all in the past tense, by the way, in the Greek language. It goes on to say, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So what type of faith? Does this speak to the mountain faith? Put up the shield of faith with your mouth? No, 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 guys, it is not. This is just when you believed in Jesus, you became an overcomer, you, you partook in the victory. And we know that from verse five, who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Now we have to find out what's the world. Is it the earth? No. Is it the people? No. What is the world? We wanna find that out. But here's what I want you to see here. If you've accepted Christ, you're already the victor. You already have the victory. His victory became your victory. The battle's already been won by him, and you are already victorious. So you and I need to walk through life knowing that. And that's the victory altar we'll see in a moment, but it just shows us we have the victory. So again, what's the world? Well, well here it is. Just go back a couple chapters, 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. What's the world? What's the world? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him as a believer, but here's the world, verse 16. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So take a look at it. Lust of the flesh lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Everything we talked about comes under these categories. Every sin you can think of, every, uh, any kind of addiction you can think from, they're all underneath these, right? Anxiety and fear and everything that's out there, guys, oppression and depression, all of those things come under these three headings. And what did God say when you accepted Jesus and you just said, I believe you're the only way to heaven? You didn't know it was coming, but it came. And God says, you have entered in to the victory. You are an overcomer. So when we have to deal with these things in our life, it's not us saying, I hope I can. It's not us saying, I need to muster up some strength. It's us saying, you know what? I already have the victory. And this is choreographed. Like it's like Bruno going in there saying, you're going to win this one, Bruno. I bet he went into that fight a lot different. Tashik went in a lot different saying, I'm going to be the winner. And it was always funny, guys. You know, they hit somebody and then a, what, a second later, they hit themselves. And sometimes they just weren't coordinated. But guys, this has been coordinated by God and you are victorious before you even go into these types of battles. And that changes everything when we know we're the victor. So they drink their water. We're gonna go back to Exodus 17 in a moment. And, and it's just like the devil. As soon as they drank, what did he do? He attacked them with something else. And it's a very strategic attack. This is where we get to see our victory altar and what it means. So notice Exodus 17, 8. It's right after they, were drink, they drank the water. Didn't have time to be totally refreshed. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. That's the desert place where they didn't have any water. So Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us and go out, fight against Amalek, Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill 
with the staff of God in my hand. And God just said, hold that staff up, buddy. So can, can, I want to talk about a couple things. It's interesting that the staff was on the top of the hill and he had to hold it up. And they're down in the valley fighting, right? And guys, it just paints a picture for us. We're down here fighting, but the victory's happened already in the spirit realm. It's already been won, but we have to see it. We have to look to it. But also, Amalek is the one they have to fight. That's who attacked them. Amalek is their second cousins. I mentioned it briefly last week. So Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had twins, Jacob and Esau. And Esau sold his birthright, and Jacob became the line. Plus, Esau married the wrong kind of women. They, they just were the wrong type of women. So he could not be uh, the next generation of Israel. Israel came out of Jacob. His name was later changed to Jacob. But Esau had some kids, and then his kids had some kids. And his grandchild, one of them, was Amlak. So these guys are second cousins. But Amalek hates Israel. So when Israel comes out of Egypt, um, just have to imagine, over a million people came out of Egypt, and guess what? There were stranglers. And the Bible talks about this. There were older folks that were really slow. There were mommies with babies, no strollers, right? And there were sickly people. And they were just behind. They, they, they were in the back. And Amalek would come out and attack those people. And God said... I want them blotted out. I, don't, I want them destroyed because of what they did to Israel. They did not honor God in attacking the weak people. By the time the army could get there, they took off, but they stole all those things. So they're a type of the devil at the highest level. And so God says, hey, man, I'm, Moses is going up here. You're going to fight Joshua. We still have to swing our swords, right, and, and put on our armor. But, but, but here's what happens. Uh, verse 10, Joshua did just as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So now they're there. And watch this, verse 11. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. But when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. Isn't that fascinating? So remember, the staff is a type of the victory. Jesus already won. He's up on the hill so everybody can see it. And if he held it up, Israel just began to win. They just kicked dupa. But if he didn't hold it up, Israel began to lose. And so we see what happened as we read the next section. And it says um, in verse 12, And Moses' hand, hands were heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him. He sat down on the stone. And Aaron and Hur supported his hand. Uh, one on one side and one on the other. So his hands were steady until the sun set. So this is a long battle. And Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So the idea is here, the hand had to be held up, right? And I love this image because it's an image of another reason you want to hook up in a local church, whichever church it's going to be. Because Aaron's a type of the high priest, right? And he's helping hold, hold the staff up. That would be a type of like your pastors, your leaders, uh, your elders in a church. And guys, sometime in order for you and I to win the victory, we, 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 need some, we need to talk to somebody. We need encouraged by some spiritual people. And then her, 
He's just an everyday guy in Israel. He's married to Miriam, Moses' sister, but he has no position. And he just represents all the incredible people in this church, you know, that know God and have been around, have walked through some battles. They know they're victorious. And sometimes you're just going to need some help. So that's one of the values of the local church, right? Whether you're in Boardman, you're here in Warren, you're online, you're at TCI. Man, we need, we need people around us to help us. But what's the issue? They have to help you see the victory's already been won. And, and so for those of you that are going to help people, just remember, you want to keep leading them to the victory has already been won. And you don't want to say, oh, no, uh, th- this is a tough thing to be free from. Not that we don't need some help and structure sometimes, but keep pointing people to this incredible truth, guys. The victory has already been won. And when you can see that, when the staff's held up, you win. When you can't see it, you're fighting in and of your own strength, and you don't win. So all that happens. Beautiful picture, right? And then God said, let me give you one more. This one is going to nail it. And it's the very next verse, verse 15. And Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner. That's Jehovah Nisi. And I like the word banner. It means miraculous standard. And all the scholars, the language scholars will tell you, it means he's our victory, right? And what is it saying? The cross is the miraculous standard. And guys, you have the victory because of what Jesus did, not what you're going to do, but he already gave you the victory. And when you can see the victory, you can walk in the victory, but you have to see it before you're going to have the strength. Because if that hand came down, they began to lose. But if it went up, they began to win. And I love this. You know why I love it? It takes all the pressure off me. I like, because uh, I'm a guy that takes pressure that I don't have to take. And I just like the fact it takes it all off of me. And, and I begin to realize, oh man, I already won. Because I, as a young Christian, I walked through times, guys, where my attitude was, God, God, give me the strength to win. God, this thing's so big. I don't know if I can overcome it. And I would just complain, and I just would not see the fact I had the victory. But then there came a day when I realized I had the victory. Is this thing still real? Are temptations to sin still real? Yeah. Are there some things we struggle with more than others? Yeah. Are there some things we have addiction to? Yeah. Do we have propensity towards some things? Yeah. But man, once you realize you won the victory, it's like, oh, this is choreographed. Oh, I've already won. I'm going to kick the the dupa of the devil, right? It just changes everything. And then you go at it from a different attitude, right? Woo-wee. We'll play your game, but I'm winning. And you know what's really cool? I want to talk about this altar and how you can build it in a second. But they were thirsty a, a second time, and God said to Moses, he said, go to the rock. And he said, I don't want you to strike it this time. I want you to speak to it. And Moses got up there and he was so upset, like so many of us. How about parents? Is there times when you lose your cool with it when your kids are young? Yeah, there are. I've had to repent to my kids so many times. I'm sorry, daddy shouldn't have yelled at you. But uh, you really made me upset. But I was wrong on how I reacted, right? So yeah, there are times, and Moses did that, man. He just got up there. He said, you stiff-necked people. And he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. And God allowed water to come out, but he said, Moses, I can't let you walk into the promised land. You're not going to go in. I'm going to raise up another leader. And why is that? What's the picture God's trying to get us to see? Jesus only had to die one time, guys. Only had to be struck one time. The victory's already won. 
So why did God say speak to it? Because now, guys, we just pull the victory out through our worship. We pull it out through our prayer. We pull it out by just speaking life, taking authority. And we don't have to wait for Jesus to win again. Jesus has already won. We're already victorious. I like that image. I like that image. So what, what do you do? What do I do? Well, you know, the rocks, you take all those issues we deal with, you pile them all up, no mortar, don't dress the rocks up, just be raw, be real with God, set them all up, and guys, begin to worship God, begin to see Jesus as the victor, begin to give him thanks, begin to give him worship, begin to give him praise, but not from, I need help, God, I've fallen and I can't get up, but from, guys, from from the fact, I thank you, Lord, that even though this thing's a little tough for me, even though I have a propensity in this area or that area, I worship you. I worship the victory of the cross. And Lord, I build this altar and I begin to worship and magnify and glorify you that I have the victory because Jesus won the victory. I am victorious. And guys, it changes your whole life and it infuses you with strength and with life. So I want to encourage you as we go through the week, build some of these altars. I want to encourage you, begin to approach things uh, not from the fact I can, but I already won, and begin to approach it that way. It doesn't mean we don't have to build some muscles and learn and grow, but guys, don't look at it like I hope I can win, but look at it as I've already won. We can win because Jesus has won. And you guys have been so fun. We've had a lot of fun with this. Gave it up spontaneously a a few times, and I'm so excited about that. So what I want to do right now is I just want to pray. So in Borman here in Warren, can we bow our heads? Let's pray. Our online community, let's bow our heads. Guys at TCI Correctional Facility, let's bow our heads. Let's pray, man. And Father, here's our first prayer. Help us see more clearly than ever that we have the victory because Jesus won the victory. Make it real to us as we walk through our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Come back for the Dream Team Retreat. Just make it real to us, Lord. Come back for worship night. Make it real to us, Lord. And Lord, if, if we need some hers, we don't have hers, give us some relationships where people can help us, Lord God. Get to the next level. See the victory. Lord, let nobody be an island because that's the enemy. He wants us to be an island. But Lord, build those relationships where we have people that can exhort us, help hold up the hand of victory. Let us see the victory, Lord God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I believe God's going to continue to minister to us and minister to people. But maybe you're listening and you're not sure of your forever, your eternity. Maybe the rock hasn't been struck the first time. Maybe you haven't received the eternal waters that Jesus wants to give you. And uh, in every service, uh, as we're prayerful, I want to give people that opportunity. So right now, I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking you if you're water baptized as a baby or an adult. All good things. But sometimes we put the cart before the horse. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day in your life where you made it personal and you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Can you remember that day when you called on his name? And if you can't, I can't force you. I don't want to force you. But maybe God's opening your heart right now and you say, I can see it. I'm ready to pray today. Would you pray with me right now? Would you pray with us in Boardman here in Warren, TCI, online community? And just simply mean it. The rest of us are going to help you. So guys, can we help them? And just say this after me. Say, Father God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a Savior. I repent of all my sins. 
and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the Savior. You took my sins, the sins of the whole world. You won the victory. You were buried three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. Then God raised you up. You're the giver of life. I accept you as my Savior. I declare your Lord, and I make a decision this day to follow you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.